0: because that's what life is all about. Life is challenges and trauma because that's what life is. We need to accept that. And we need to accept that at times we get we get cut, we get bruised, not just on the outside, but also deep on the inside.
1: What does it mean to you to live your best and bravest life? Does it mean being strong and forthright Do you think of bravery as a woman or a man in uniform wearing stars or medals? Or does it mean being vulnerable, honest and courageous in all that you do? It is my mission in life to help you feel brave and empowered to live as your authentic self. So join me in these inspirational conversations filled with tips and tricks to help you live your best and bravest life. I'm Tiffany Johnson, and this is the When We Are Brave podcast. Welcome to the When We Are Brave podcast. I'm so excited that you're here with me today. I've been looking at some photos from a friend of mine, the gorgeous Dr. Wendy Bruton that was on the show on the first episode of the When We Are Brave podcast for season two. She lives in Oregon in the States. She's surrounded by smoke, just like we were in Australia back in January of this year. These wildfires are devastating. Not only have we all had to deal with COVID this year, but we've had fires both here in Australia and now in the United States. If you know of a loved one who is over on that side of the world, then I send you my prayers and I send it to them as well. I also wanted to just check in and make sure that you're okay, that you are okay out there if you're struggling in those fires, you're worried about a loved one in the fires. I know how scary it can be. We too had family in the fires back in January and it was terrifying. Thank goodness they are all safe. If you wanted to help the people over in the States who are currently without Electricity, without homes, the towns have been burnt down. You can go to a link on today's show notes on my website, tiffanyjohnson.com.au, and I will have the link to a GoFundMe page, which is helping all of those people who are currently in that situation over in the States. Again, my heart and prayers goes to all of the people who are currently suffering in this new a next phase, and next chapter of 2020, the year that was, is currently, and we are still living through it today. Here in Melbourne, we're still in lockdown. We have another couple of weeks to go until restrictions lift a little bit, and I think we're all quite keen for that to happen. But until then, podcasts are keeping a lot of us busy. So make sure you listen to a whole lot of podcasts. There's so many great ones out there. I've enjoyed so, so many. So make sure that you continue to listen, to continue to fill your lives with a little bit of hope, a little bit of inspiration, and a little bit of bravery here at the When We Are Brave podcast. Okay, so let's get into today's show. I have for you the incredible, vulnerable, honest, funny brilliant Dr. Stefan Neff. Dr. Stefan Neff is an anaesthetist. He is also a recovering alcoholic, not something you generally put together. Dr. Neff has put his story on paper and has created his fabulous book, My Steps to Sobriety. In this episode, we talk about alcohol, how it affects our lives, statistics which are terrifying, and how many people and how many lives this disease affects. We talk about society, we laugh, we joke, and we also talk about cheesecakes. This episode will delight you, will inspire you, and will also help you to think about how you can be brave in your life. Good evening and welcome to the When We Are Brave podcast, Dr. Stefan Neff. What a delight and pleasure to have you on the show. <laughs>
0: okay, that is a very good start of a discussion. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me on the show. <laughs> oh, you know pleasure. just how to make how to make my heart beat faster. <laughs> no long intro, straight to the point. <laughs>
1: straight into it, my friend, that's right so tell us a little bit about who you are what you do you're a doctor you're an anesthetist the hardest word of any sort of doctor i ever say <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're so true you're so right <laughs> well i looked around but is that the really the most difficult to spell and write words and i thought okay that's it that's yeah. my career now, it is, You're quite right. I'm an anaesthetist here in New Zealand, and I am an alcoholic in recovery. So these two things are normally, well, the first thing you brag about, the second one, not so much normally. Mm-hmm. And uh, in my case, however, that's a little bit different because I have decided to share my story with the folks out there because I had to learn the lessons the hard way and I strongly believe that you guys, you listeners out there, if you are uh, anywhere close to, to my story, then you don't need to learn it the hard way. You just need to listen and maybe read my book, because I've, I've actually put the, my lessons and my story into the book called My Steps to Sobriety. But I will talk about that later. Um, just as an intro, I, yes, I've been through hell, and, but I kept going. And with the help of my wife, I ended up in rehab. That's now 2,365 days ago. And I, since then, I've been on a journey of self-discovery and of finding self-love, I guess, which led me to places I would have never dreamt of.
1: Yeah, what an amazing story. I've been reading your book and it has been very interesting Um, having already had a little bit of experience with other alcoholics. uh, I have definitely, definitely learned a few things and there have been times when I've gone, oh, I often think like that. (laughs) You know, like (laughs) I've had a hard day. I'd like a glass of wine (laughs) or I've had a hard day. I think I'll sit and have a brandy, but I can stop at one. (laughs) <laughs> and I can that well, and I can also go, I think I'll have a cup of tea. But there are other times where I go, hmm, a glass of yeah. wine would be so nice right now. I loved when you said in the book somewhere like, oh, my favorite is a, a, a whatever it was, a some white variety from the south of New Zealand. And I was like, Oh, I think it was a Pinot or something, and yeah. I was <laughs> like, um, on a Pinot Grigio or something like that. And you'll know what it was. And I and I was like Oh, actually, no, I don't like that variety. No, I don't know what he was thinking when he was drinking that.
0: (laughs) I think the the reality is for an alcoholic, we we try to, to dream up stories. We create our alternative reality where essentially we celebrate our alcohol. So, of course, you are the wine connoisseur yeah, that's and you. you are sniffing it and then you swallow a little bit and you are all suave about it. Well, five bottles later, <laughs> you don't care if you drink turpentine and yeah. because it's just bring it on, bring it on. Mm. And I think that's the reality. And that's, mm. that's what, what uh, one of the chapters is, the high-functioning alcoholic. And that's, that's exactly sort of where you are uh, alluding to. Mm. There are so many of us out there who are not quite alcoholics, who are not quite there yet. Having said that, there are very much, you know, if it's a long, hard day, oh, I've deserved that glass of wine. It was a really good day. Brilliant. Let's celebrate with a wine. Yeah,
1: there's always oh. the reason, isn't there? Yeah, there's always the reason for why you should have it or why you why it's okay, why you're giving yourself mm-hmm. permission to do that. And for yeah. some people they yeah, you just can't do that. It's not so good. Mm. So, you have been incredibly brave in your story, writing your story, putting it on paper, sharing all the ins and outs and everything in between and how it affects you. And I really love the scientific component of it too, how you really talk about what it does to your body. And I think that's so important because it's your story, but you are bringing in the medical side of it. And I think a lot of people mis- or misinterpret that. They, you know, they see it as, oh, it's a bad thing and there's all these other things connected to it, but they don't really understand the workings of the body and what the alcohol does to your body. And I think you've been very brave in combining those two aspects of it. And people need to understand that
0: it is a disease. It, is, it has all the hallmarks of a disease. And the problem is that there are so many other layers and facets to it. It is a law enforcement uh, thing. It is a stigma. It's a taboo. It has so many emotional overlays. But if you all peel it back to what it is, it's a disease just as much as diabetes, just as much as chronic obstructive airway disease. These are all chronic diseases where no one would say, how how dare you? You are a mm. bad man. You are having diabetes. How dare you? should be ashamed of yourself. And you think, oh, come on. You know, that's it. That's, that doesn't work. But as soon as alcohol comes into the game, oh, yeah, you know, it's, it's a lifestyle choice. It's all your problem. You're a bad man and you should be ashamed of yourself. Mm. Well... Unfortunately, that's not so true, and that's, that's what I try to elicit in, the, in my book as well as in my podcast and, and YouTube channel, because ultimately, we, are, we alcoholics, we are actually super responders. We are super men and super women as far as the brain goes, because our brain gives us so much more dopamine, so much more feel-good hormone compared with someone who is not an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. So I get a huge buzz or I certainly did in the past when I drank and it is a beautiful, beautiful feeling, I have to say. Give me a glass of wine or two. suddenly these muscles relax, mm-hmm. suddenly the shoulders get soft, and I suddenly feel relaxed, and all these worries of the day they just float away mm-hmm. on the mixture of urine and wine um, typically not at the same same areas <laughs> 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 but it is just it is just this kind of of yeah. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing and for a time it really gives you so much when you are young and you're starting out and you're insecure, that mm-hmm. glass of something in your hand gives you the Dutch courage. Yeah. Uh, there is this kind of moment when you don't know what to say, but if you've got glass of something in your hand, you just take a nice, calm, sluck there. That gives you five seconds in which you can think, well, how do I respond to the guy who has just come close to me here and, and wants to chat me up? Do I like him or what? Or what? You know, mm. this There are many advantages Mm -hmm. to actually drinking alcohol.
1: You can do that, though. You can think in that moment, too, with the soda water.
0: (laughs) (laughs) True, 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 true. We come to that in a moment. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But the Dutch courage, I didn't think, include the soda water. No, not so much. (laughs) That needs
1: to come from within. That's where the real (laughs) bravery comes in, doesn't it? That's true. When you do all that inner work.
0: Oh, please, mm. please, please, please. Yeah, so that's it. So that's, that's, I think, we all start off often enough living in cultures where alcohol is an integral part. Mm. If you are in the advertisement industry, if you're in the, in, uh, the normal hospitality, um, any kind of tourist uh, industry, it's all part and parcel. Mm. Of course you drink. And you, people look at you and think, can we trust him? That he he's not drinking. There's this, is, you know, this is, nah something he, wrong with weird.
1: him. Yeah, yeah. Correct. Why is he not doing Correct. that? Uh huh. I watched exactly. a documentary on that just the other week, and it was fascinating mm. in what people's responses were to people who didn't drink. And I found that really, really mm. odd because <laughs> I guess I don't, <laughs> I, you know, I don't think like that. And often I, yeah. you know, I'll be driving yeah. or whatever, and I might not mm. have a drink, or mm. it doesn't. Um, mm. I would yeah. never think about someone as being untrustworthy because they were choosing to not have alcohol. It's like exactly. saying, do you want the chicken or the fish? Not being untrustworthy because you chose the meat and I'm a vegetarian. Like it's, I'm not a vegetarian, but you know what I mean? It's the same thing. People You're need right. to chill out.
0: So, <laughs> but um, it, it doesn't work like that. Obviously, no. the, the alcohol has permeated our societal structures mm. to such an extent it's no longer funny. Yeah. I wrote in my book, there is the, the chapter of the heroin free wedding. And it goes along the lines of, of uh, a young woman uh, talking to her mum and saying, Hey, mum, can we talk about my wedding that's coming up? And mum says, Yeah, let's talk wedding. And the young woman says, Look, I really, really want to do something. I would like to have a heroin free wedding. And the mum, is nearly dropping the plate that she's got in her hands and says, "What? Oh my God! Are, are you are you are you are you addicted? Are you are you a truggy?" And she says, "No, no, no. Uh, uh, you know there are eighteen thousand poor souls that are dying every year of heroin overdoses." You, you. Uh, she says, "No, no, no, no. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a druggy, Um, And truly, but I, I want a heroin-free wedding. Is that okay with you?" And mom said, "Oh God! I'm so pleased that you're not a truckie. And the daughter continues and says, well, now that you're on the the point, is it okay that I have an alcohol-free wedding? And she says, you're kidding me. We can't do that. No, 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 this is impossible. We cannot do an alcohol-free wedding. What are you talking about? Just listen to that. It is so, so strange. The social engineering that has happened over the last 50 years or so is amazing. Mm. So... But that is, that is what we are up against. So ultimately, there are super responders like me and about you know, one in three to one in five in the population out there. And we are hell-bent to have that drink if we are still in that, in that mindset. Mm. And that's, that's 95% of us. So only one in 20 realizes, okay, enough is enough. Mm-hmm. And that only happens because of DUIs or medical disasters that are alcohol related or the the 18th stupid decision you make whilst you are drunk the best letter you have ever regretted kind of a thing. Um, these kind of things, that's only 5%. 95% of alcoholics are absolutely convinced there is nothing Nothing wrong,
1: wrong with them because them. it's so socially acceptable. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. And truly really taking a good hard look at yourself can be so confronting.
0: And Just, painful. <laughs>
1: and the reasons why you are doing what you're doing and why you're hmm. doing things that are self-destructive and ruining your life and others around you as well i think is really Mm. oh it's tough stuff when people really start Mm. to look at all of that i know that there were times in my life when i definitely was out of control with my drinking and that was purely because Mm. it was my escape i just wanted to escape and then i looked back and i was like okay i actually need to deal with what i need to deal with because this is not working this is just I'm living under this shadow of alcohol and this is mm. not me but to get to that point takes incredible bravery and courage and you know people say you know it, it's, it's a ballsy move I say it's an ovary move I don't have those other parts <laughs>
0: An ovary move. Oh, I need to, ooh, I love that. Yeah, it's.
1: I heard that at at a rock concert once and the lead singer was female and she's like, I don't have balls, I've got ovaries, yeah. And I was like, I am using that, I am taking that, gusto. So good. So let's
0: let's agree on backbone. Okay, let's (laughs) let's agree on that. I think we both have got (laughs) that. We
1: both have that. We both have that. (laughs) So, and we both have the gumption that we need to move forward in our life and live this incredible life. So, you've written your book, you are a father, you have an incredible career, which is amazing that you have still pursued and been successful in your career after you've had Mm -hmm. your personal confronting moments in your life
0: Mm.
1: how has writing a book changed your life
0: oh dear hmm well the first book i wrote i wrote about cheesecakes and that was a very good outcome because i actually had to bake all of them and ate all of them so that was that changed my life quite a bit typically in sort of around the middle around the waist (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so my GP then recommended me I should write a book about salads. Uh, <laughs> these were truly his words. <laughs> but I guess I guess you're not referring to my previous attempts at authorship. You're no, I'm not. You're referring to my steps so to sobriety.
1: <laughs> but what is, if you did pick a
0: cheesecake, what would your favourite cheesecake be? Oh, God, where to start? Have you got two hours? Uh, um, <laughs> yeah. No, I don't. <laughs> no, just...
1: <it But> <laughs> mine would have to be a New York baked cheesecake, without a doubt. Uh, favourite nah
0: german german baked cheesecakes because you bake them for such a long time there mm-hmm. are no more calories in there okay so we bake the calories out of the cheesecake they just so evaporate like do they uh-huh. they just they just go they just go yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> right. somehow i'm now, finding
1: that very hard to believe my friend <laughs>
0: <laughs> but trust me, I'm a doctor. Yeah. Surely I uh-huh. am. <laughs> See, I'm also a bullshitter. Yeah. And, and that, is, that is the one thing that, that happens in recovery. The only thing that changes in recovery is everything. Okay. Mm. And you can't bullshit a bullshitter. So I think you, because we have been lying and and talking bullshit such a long time, we have got a very finely honed instrument. So you, you pick it up very quickly mm. if someone else tries to tell you fips or tries to make up something or excuses, etc. Mm. So I think that is one thing that changes in recovery. But to come back to your question, what has changed with my book? I think it is the same has happened to a larger extent than what happened in the first day in rehab. I came in there broken and and just weird. I had renovated at home and I had put all kind of, of. Um, I, I glued a floor down. And when you do that with a bottle or two of vodka, you're not really paying attention. So I was covered head to toe in this very sticky stuff that actually doesn't come off. I learned the hard way, especially then when you stop drinking and you feel the pain when you actually can't take things off. So I now know how every woman <gasps> Feels if she goes to certain places, that's right. It bloody well hurts. So that was then, but apart from learning the pain, I also learned how it felt the first time when I spoke it out loud. Mm -hmm. Hello, I'm Stefan. I'm an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. And that was a... A milestone. That was a, the moment when the dam broke. That was when I suddenly felt a liberty, a freedom coming over me, a, a power coming over me. Over probably two, three days, I suddenly couldn't stop talking anymore. Instead of hiding what I was doing, I now were giving myself the permission to talk and that was that was gold so and that helped me tremendously in my immediate recovery and my rehab to to deal with the the problems to actually spell them out to put them the first time into words and that allowed me to move forward now fast forward 7 years last end of last year my wife said look why don't you write a book about what you have achieved your path your experiences And initially I was quite taken back and I thought, no way, no way. It just didn't feel right the first time she said it. I slept on it and then sort of started writing a little bit. And wow, I couldn't stop writing. So for the next three months, I basically it was an Mm -hmm. all-consuming thing where I put my soul in it. And the first draft was quite cathartic and it was quite a dark book far darker than now because i had it all in there the the warts and all and then some and it was only when i gave them the first drafts to people i trusted including the boss of my previous rehab and he sort of read it and said stefan you know what the people don't need to know the blood and the gore and the vomit they want to know the solutions to get out of the shit because they have got their own shit. They've got their own blood, gore and vomit. You don't need to be too graphic. That is, it is, yeah, it's, it's good that you do it, but is it really helping? And that changed my perception of that book. So then the next few drafts uh, changed uh, quite a bit. And it was a beautiful journey because ultimately, whilst I was talking about alcohol, I experienced the alcohol, I experienced the past again, and I had to deal with that. Then I wrote about the 12 steps and went through them and described action plans, etc., that related to that. Well, in order to do so, I actually went through these steps again. And guess what? You always learn new things about you. You always, you think you have dealt with one particular part of your life and ticked it off and it's all good and then suddenly you 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 know five years down the line you you look at the same story the same perception the same everything again and suddenly a new revelation comes out and that is that uh, the wonderful wonderful thing that has happened after this book it actually led to quite a bit of soul searching for myself it led to some rather painful discussions for example, I, in my book, I describe postnatal depression and this uh, described it as a challenge for which many women reach to the bottle. And I, I sort of, you know, I have a whole chapter on that. And I wrote about the experience, as I remember it, of my wife having our youngest son and then having postnatal depression. So I wrote that and gave it for her to her to read. Oh, my goodness. Um, Turns out that her memories were rather very, very different to mine. And obviously, we all try to protect ourselves. And I had completely underestimated how much anger and frustration there was still there in my wife and how her mind had reframed the same story in a very different angle. So there are these kind of things. You, you think, you know, I mean, this was, this was about 18 years ago now, um, but there was a lot of trauma still there. And it took some interesting discussions for the two of us to come together and grow from that. Because we had not dealt with that. Mm. There they they were, they were, was a classic example of his story, her story, and the truth. And it's so important. So that was one example where this was actually a beautiful journey, a painful journey, but a beautiful journey after this book, because I have been able to address that with Lisa mm-hmm. and we were able to move on from there. And I think we are better better off because we have we have actually addressed the, that big elephant in the room that I didn't even know that was there.
1: <laughs> mm. For those um, gentlemen out of the room, out there listening to this conversation, you may or may not um, be in Stefan's shoes. But there's often a, us women. We try really hard to communicate well with our beloved partners. Sometimes we don't always get it right. <laughs> so, um, so one of the great tools, and I totally am always talking about the importance of communication. Because communication is key in every single aspect of our lives. And no matter what relationship you have, whether it be work, with a patient, with your children, with your loved ones, friends, without having the right way to listen to people and really understand what they are trying to say to you. They might be saying to you that how they see some. I see that that wall is green. I don't see that the wall is green. I see that it's kind of a bluey green no I'm telling you it's green so learning how to listen is so incredibly important and then often what I do with my husband and my children and other people my mother I love you mum if you're listening is reframe what that what has just been said and then I reframe it in the way that I've interpreted it and then we work through whether or not my interpretation has been right and that's exactly what you're talking about because what you remembered was very different to what she remembered even though you're the same two people going through an experience your experience is a very unique and individual and then it's the ability to communicate and come back together and I say to my children all the time did you explain to your teacher why you did that she needs to understand the backstory to why you've done that no I just said I did it no we need we need a little bit more there guys come on (laughs) And it takes skills and so much hard work, Mm. so much Mm. work. And we are onions, aren't we? Like the layers, they just keep coming off. It was the same when I wrote my book, when I first wrote Brave Enough Now. When I first did that, I was called the first draft is the vomit draft because you just go (laughs) and everything goes out. And the things (laughs) that I thought I was, you know, fine with, i was not fine writing those things the moment when i called my dad from when i was in hospital in interlaken and i Mm. had to make that phone call home and i remember sitting by the fire and i'm writing it down and i was i was back there exactly what you're saying you're back in that moment Mm. and the tears were and i was snot and there was crying and just and it just was heart-wrenching when you realize the actions that you've taken have hurt another can be really, really confronting. And having the gift of being able to write that down or share a story in a certain way is such a wonderful thing. What feedback have you had from others who have read your book? I'm sure that it's helped many. I know I've learnt lots mm. from reading it.
0: Mm. I, the feedback comes from, from people that you least expect it. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, they are the trusted, the trusted uh, friends who give you uh, a, a praise that is beyond good and bad, and that's cool. But I remember, for example, I, I came home from the Christmas holidays, uh, not home, I came to work from the Christmas holidays, and my uh, one of my surgeons was in a changing room. I got changed, he got changed. And he said, oh, what have you been up to? And I said, well, I wrote a book. And he said, oh, oh, cool. What about? How about? alcohol in my steps to sobriety stopped looked at me what did you do that for and i thought that's a very strange reply <laughs> and i said oh yeah you yeah, i i that was just a thing i did and i we just went our separate ways we were in different theaters a few hours later i had the text on my phone stefan can we talk and it turns out that he has just gone through some painful experiences with alcohol, and uh, here he came, and he he bought my book, and uh, was was just very grateful that there was this kind of of, of a bit of of uh, a brom not bromance, a kind of male bonding, the kind of the, the the appreciation shit. I'm not the only doctor who goes through some nasty nasty times and has drunken too much. But there is the other guy who's actually a good anaesthetist who I really like to work with. And I actually had no clue that he was or is an alcoholic in recovery. And by actually opening up like that, I think it is so beautiful to share and demystify it and de taboo size it, whatever that word is. Um, just bring it out of the shadows mm. and Be open and honest about it, just as much as as depression, anxiety, PTSD. These are things that will hit you sooner rather than later. You might not like it, you might hate it, but, well, no one cares. It will be there because that's what life is all about. Life is challenges and trauma and, and blood and gore because that's what life is. We need to accept that, and we need to accept that at times we get we get cut we get bruised not just on the outside but also deep on the inside mm. and that's that's the hard thing because people don't see that if you've got a broken arm everyone says oh you poor soul look at you if you've got a broken soul well so what man up or come on, take a concrete pill and harden up. And all this kind of bullshit, this kind of, even if they don't phrase it like that, it's often enough, it's there. And it's often due to misperception or lack of knowledge because people have this kind of, I don't know, some kind of fuzzy idea, but they haven't yet gone through a similar experience. Therefore, for them, it's new. They have no idea what to say, what to do. When they hear from you and when you're, open about these kind of things. Uh, It might be that they're too close to the subject and become very defensive because either themselves are suffering and they haven't yet developed the, the, the guts to admit to it, or they're living with someone who they love and who's going through some nasty times, either from mental health or alcoholism or drug abuse. And it is suddenly you trigger emotions there and you suddenly get a response where you think, what the heck? And it just shows because guys, one in three will have depression in their lifetime. One in three is the same incidence of chemical uh, addiction, chemical dependency out there. Make it one in five for alcoholism and alcohol or unsafe drinking, alcohol use disorder. If you then say each of these people has got one significant other, well, that's half of the population that is affected by mental health problems. So it it is one of these things where we have to say, wow,
1: Yeah, definitely. And for people who are looking for help or they know that a loved one needs help or they're (sighs) struggling with admitting what's actually going on, what do you recommend? What are your tips for being brave in taking those first steps? Because, man, it's a hard road ahead.
0: (sighs) I think the very first thing that you should do is uh, make an appointment with your GP, with your family physician, when if you're in other parts of the world and make a double appointment, say that you need some time to discuss something and please don't come in and say, I would like to talk about my blood pressure. I would like to talk about 15 other things. And then at the end, or by the way, I actually would like to kill myself. (laughs) That's not fair. Okay. Come on. Give the guy a chance or the girl a chance. So go in there and say, look, my life has come to a point where I need help, and that just the sheer fact that you spell that out shows so much. And remember, your GP is there for you. He or she will be making sure that you're safe, that you're respected, that there will be a tissue there if the tears start uh, flowing. And but it's so good to start with that. Why? Sometimes there are very important things that can be checked. For example, if your mood is low, had, has that got to do with your fire rate or has that got to do actually with a with a real reason? So if you were to, to look at your blood count and you are anemic and there is no, no, the odd red cell flying through your body, well, no surprise that your mood is low and that you have got no energy. So it's these kind of things. So check out the physical side first, but remember that your doctor will have links to all kind of support systems, support systems that you have no clue about, Mm. and that's not your job. You know, there are social workers out there, there are psychologists, um, mentors, health coaches, there are non-profit organizations, there are proper hospitals that specialize in certain, let's say, alcoholism uh, or, or mental health uh, problems, eating disorders, etc. Mm. Yeah. You are a special, special person who has got a special set of problems, they are, they are unique to you, yet at the same token, whatever trauma has occurred to you, there will be heaps and heaps of others yeah. out there just that you don't know about, but... There are help structures out there. And I think that was the biggest thing that certainly was helpful for my wife. Behind my back, she had found out about Capri Hospital, which at that time was a a private hospital up in Auckland. And she, behind my back, enrolled me there and put me, uh, Tuesday night was my last drink, Wednesday morning, I was bruised and battered in bed. And she said, look, Friday morning, you're going to get admitted. There is no discussion. Uh, Either we leave you or you go to the hospital there. But she had no clue about that. But she worked with my GP. She worked with those people who knew. Hmm. So tap into that and try to figure out um, who is out there, who can help you. Now, you don't need to go out there and and say, I'm depressed or I have got PTSD and, and share it with everyone out there. That's not what this is about. It's about trying to find that one person that you can trust and from there get the guidance to people that are interested and able to help you. That is probably not your best friend. That is probably not a family member because they are too close to you. They probably don't have the skill they probably don't know, don't have the expertise and they probably have their own demons. So it's probably not fair that, that you always lean on your best friend kind of a thing. Whilst best friends have got their role, bloody hell, yes. Uh, please, it is, that's, yeah. yeah. There needs to be a little bit, some extra there.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I guess the key thing, the other key message that I want to give out there is be brave. Be bold. That is the one moment that you need to look in the mirror and say, enough is enough. I want you to be sick of being sick. I want you to come to that point and accept that you are so far out there, that you're so much in pain, that opening up is likely to reduce the pain rather than than giving you more pain due to shame and guilt and all these kind of other negative emotions that are out there. It is... PTSD is normal. If you look at major... uh, And why do I say PTSD? Because you have been in a in a gorge being swept away by mad water, uh, by a lahar. Um, I have been on the receiving end of gang violence. We both have got our demons. We both have got some very dark memories from these kind of things. And this is normal. This is, these kind of feelings are there and, there is no need to hide them. They are, they are there. If you have got a major road traffic accident, your chance of PTSD is one in three. Mm-hmm. Okay, again, it's this magic one in three it seems to be cropping up everywhere, but hey, it is. So bottom line is, so we nowadays as doctors, we look out for that. And we, if we are a bit switched on, we, we try to put uh, support services in place to help you deal with the trauma. That is certainly not always the case. But I want to say this is, this is whatever you're going through out there, whatever shame, guilt, negative emotion you have, it is, it is normal to feel that. It's not nice to feel that, but it's normal to experience that at some stage in your life. What is not okay is to not do something about it. Because you eat yourself up from the inside. And because of that, you are not a nice people to the people around you. You are probably pretty much an asshole, especially when you're using or drinking. Um, You are not a nice woman. You are not a nice man. That is pretty much a given. Even if you're a happy drunk, you're still a drunk who doesn't pull his weight at home. Okay? So it it is what it is. So therefore... Be bold. Grab the opportunity to telephone, literally grab the telephone and make that call to your GP and go out there and be brave. Be brave to make that call.
1: And on that note, Stefan, <laughs> what an absolute incredible interview. Thank you so much for being on the When We Are Brave podcast. Tell us where we can find your book. <laughs>
0: My book, My Steps to Sobriety, is an Amazon, uh, both as a, as a hard copy as well as, as an uh, ebook. book uh, We are producing, at the moment, we are uh, producing a workbook that comes in, in two different forms where there are exercises in there that uh, will help you to go through the action plans that are in My Steps to Sobriety. The audiobook is in the making, so give me a month maybe six weeks, um, then this one will be out there narrated by yours truly. Uh, you get the, the funny German accent for free. That's, you don't have to pay extra for that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Thank goodness I didn't have to do any German accents on my audiobook. I had to do some Scottish <laughs> ones. They're not very good people. I hope you have a bit of a
0: giggle. <laughs> Uh, exactly exactly but what you get what you get is my 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 wife and my children wanted to convince me no 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 we get an american actor and he will do american and i thought over my dead body that's my book that's my voice so you get it for free guys
1: great Um, i love it i love it i love it so people go out there and make sure you get a copy of that book it's incredibly insightful even if you're not needing those 12 steps yourself Hmm. There are lots of people out there who do need the help, and to have that bit of knowledge up your sleeve, it's a really good read. What a fun episode. Isn't Dr. Stefan Neff amazing? He is so much fun. He is so honest, and he shares his story with passion. He's making a difference in the world, both in his career as a doctor and also globally to those people out there who need it. What an amazing man thank you so much for being a part of the when we are brave podcast i love doing this podcast for you i love hearing from you so make sure you connect with me on facebook instagram twitter pinterest i'm everywhere wherever you are linkedin i'm there as well so make sure you check out some of my social pages and come and say hi don't forget to i've got my free facebook group Bravehearts. This is a beautiful community of people who encourage each other to be brave in their daily lives. I would love for you to be a part of it, so make sure you go and check that out. I'd love to see you in there. If you'd like to know anything else about me or about the show or find the show notes to today's episode, go to tiffanyjohnson.com.au and you'll find everything on there. Things about me, things about my shop, links to my book, about the podcast and everything else that I'm doing in the world of brave. So my friends, be brave and live your best and bravest life.